Anime Summit, Episode 74. That arc ends with three space lesbians raising a magical child. Hello and welcome to the Anime Summit Podcast. I'm Quoka. With me I've got Mac. What's up, gents? Nick. Moon Prism Power. Psalm. Wamp, wamp. What it do, what it do. And we got two awesome guests here to talk to us about their book. We got Bonnie and Steven. I don't know how you want to introduce yourselves. Well, hi, I'm Steve Savage. Uh, that's, I'll introduce myself. I'm a elder geek, a writer, uh, an author. I'm the guy behind Seventh Sanctum, uh, the random generator site. When I'm not doing that, I'm yelling at software engineers to get stuff done. And uh, with me is Bonnie, my co-author. Uh, I'm Bonnie Walling. I am also an elder geek, senior geek, <laughs> uh, well-aged geek. Um, I've been in anime fandom for nearly two decades now. Um, I've been a fan fiction writer. I've uh, worked with conventions. Um, I've done bits and pieces here and there with role-play games. Um, I've generally uh, covered the entire geek spectrum. And uh, when I'm not busy geeking out, I'm working for a petroleum industry publication. Nice. Yes. Ooh, petroleum. Oh, oh, so so me working in software doesn't doesn't get compliments, but petroleum does. (laughs) There's a lot of money in petroleum. (laughs) Yeah, so you're here to talk about your guys' new book, Her Eternal Moonlight, which I actually have a copy in front of me, and it looks beautiful. I know you guys like to talk up that cover art a lot. Well, I do want to note that, again, um, Jennifer Cox, Dancing Heron, the cover's, like, just amazing. It's post... I've really got to emphasize it, because she's so good. (laughs) We literally discovered her in the artist's alley at FanimeCon. Nice. Where, yeah, well, actually, to bring it to the book, is this book is literally the result of a late-night con conversation where you agree to do something and then realize, oh, God, I agreed to do something? Yes, those, those, that's what cons are all about, really. Yeah. So Making what reckless hap- life choices. But most people don't follow like writing books. <laughs> yeah, I live dangerously. I, I write books. Now, what happened is Bonnie and I... I remember, Bonnie, we're talking. There are all these Sailor Moon fans, and hey, why isn't there more history about it? And then I don't think we ever remembered which of us first agreed to do this. No, we didn't. It's just sort of like out of nowhere it was, well, nobody's done it. And then it's, well, why don't we do it? And then it was, uh, holy crap, we just agreed we were going to do it. Yeah, it, I still can't quite trace it down. But what we did was we saw all these people in Sailor Moon and all the variants, you know. You'll probably see stuff like Sailor Pearl and, you know, probably Tuxedo Natsu or whatever. And we said someone should study this because there wasn't any good books we saw in Sailor Moon as a culture phenomena in America. There were books on the history of it or the Japanese culture. And we just decided to really do it. And I'd done a few other books by interviewing people. So the whole thing comes down to find a lot of fans, interview them, write a book about them. And we focused on women because we felt uh, that would be a good population. And because we felt women in fandom, anime fandom, kind of get forgotten. It was around the time of, you know, question of like, well, sorry, Bonnie, I walked over that. You know, also toys for girl geeks not getting made and so on. It's also just really interesting that um, how often the female fandom seems to be left to the side, considering I believe most conventions are saying that they're attendance is 50 50 split for the most part one thing we did notice when we were looking through the books is that um sailor moon did get shoved to the side and considered non-important and half of that was i think because it has a predominantly female fandom um Mm -hmm. the animes that get taken the most seriously tend to be the ones that have for the large part a male fan base Sailor Moon is kind of, it's, well, we found that there's, there's basically two attitudes toward it. Um, one is that, oh, well, it's girly, so it's trivial fluff. And the other thing is a lot of people consider it, um, as we put it, cultural wallpaper. I mean, it's been around so long that people take it for granted. So we yeah. wanted to prove that, you know, this is not fluff. It's made a real impact on people's lives and it's not background wallpaper either. And we yeah. knew people whose lives had been for. 
So, you know, we just wanted to find out who was out there and what their stories were. And um, we interviewed about uh, just under 40 people, including (laughs) digging up some folks we'd like known ages ago. And the stories just like blew me and blew us away because, I mean, there were people who are probably alive because the show inspired them or made them feel better. Mm -hmm. So better for it. I think that's a a really interesting term is what you call cultural wallpaper. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, you go to a con and, you know, you're in the dealer's room or whatever. And then there's like Sailor Moon stuff and people are like, oh, yeah, Sailor Moon. And they Mm -hmm. just kind of think of it like it's been around for a while. It's very popular anime happening in America. Okay, moving on. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and they don't really take the time to go back and like watch it all or learn some of the history or watch any of the movies or anything. And it's, um, that's like a super interesting term. I just really like that when I was reading the, the beginning and everything. Oh, I was just going to say that I liked how, uh, sailor moon and like Pokemon dragon ball, the really popular anime are barely even considered anime anymore. You can just name the show and people will know what you're talking about. You don't feel like a you don't feel like a weeaboo talking about Sailor Moon. You know, it's like this is like, you know, it's it's global. Everybody knows it. So it's more than like I mean, it kind of is a, not a wallpaper, but it, it's like it's like a fundamental part of of anime culture, TV culture, all that stuff nowadays. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, we know that. But I mean, like, yeah. you know, as you're walking through. Well, I think most people, even who aren't anime fans, have heard of Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball and that type of thing. Right, they've so, heard of it. You know what I mean? But like, what the, the or point seen of the, it. the point of the book is to is to get it out from the background and bring it forth again. You know what I mean? And show yeah. how important it is. Exactly. And one of the things with Sailor Moon is, I think, you know, as it gets discounted more than DBZ. And po- I don't. I, we haven't encountered anyone that said Pokemon changed their lives. Um, no, DBZ, it was more of a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, DBZ had influenced people, but with us, with Sailor Moon, we dived in and uh, just. Yeah, I, I, I think Bonnie probably. There, it's hard to say our favorite story, but the sex assault counselor because Sailor Moon inspired her to help people. That was amazing. Yeah, and another That's good. Awesome. Another good yeah. story was um, the woman that actually met her husband through the Sailor Moon fandom, and the first thing she noticed about him was he had a Sailor Jupiter tattoo. I, I should note the great thing about her husband is he is not prone to amnesia or being kidnapped, so it puts him ahead of many of the guys in Sailor Moon. <laughs> 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 Plus, Sailor I, I, Jupiter is best girl, of course. Uh, shut up. Anyway. <laughs> like, I, I, that I, would be Mars. We, we need to get that out there. Uh, everybody needs to say their favorite senshi. Okay, let's start with uh, Bonnie and uh, Steven, yeah? Luna, uh, Luna and Artemis. They're the hard-working ones that get crap done. <laughs> they, like, do all the work, yeah, for real. Well, if you had to pick a scout, though, who would you pick? Well, Bonnie, you go first, and then I'll lie. Um, I would say that my favorite senshi is Usagi, um, because she is, you know, she's basically a creature of pure heart. She's not a perfect Mary Sue. I mean, so many of the heroines that get pitched to young girls tend to be perfect Mary Sues right down to the young adult literature that's being thrown in girls' faces right now. Uh, Usagi is in many ways the anti-Bella Swan. Um, She is, you know, she starts out as this typical kid who is clumsy, um, who eats a lot, who stays up all night reading manga instead of studying. And then suddenly she finds out her destiny and she meets these people and she starts to find the strength within herself. And, you know, with that strength, which comes from her basically pure love for humanity, she is able to conquer any evil that faces her way. And she literally evolves from like child to queen throughout the course of the series. For me, um, I fluctuate, but I actually think Jupiter, because Jupiter is this, um, this, one of the things about Sailor Moon is it's it's really very subversive and dichotomous. Uh, you, it plays with gender and expectations and common tropes, and Sailor Jupiter is this ass-kicking domestic. She is capable of breaking her face and making dinner. 
And she, to me, embodies one of the great things about the series that says there's no one way to be female. And I love the dichotomy of the character, romantic, domestic, because it's not really a dichotomy. And I think she embodies the series. And she has some great lines. Like in the remake, Crystal, where she's mind-controlled and this Duma has, uh, you know, its arm around her and she should be, you know, helpless. And she just grabs its arm and starts twisting it. So I'd say I'd say Jupiter for me. Yeah, and one thing that's cool about all the scouts is that this was, like, Sailor Moon came out in 1992, give or take. So it's like... Even even though some of these aspects of female characters might be more common nowadays, that was like almost non-existent before Sailor Moon, or very 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 infrequent. I would say, uh, Bonnie, we in fact saw comments a lot like that in our interviews that it was just so different for the time. Yes, um, at the time Sailor Moon came out, entertainment for girls just did not have diverse female casts. I mean, this was the first time that an awful lot of our interviewees saw a wide spectrum of young women and everyone watching it could find a mirror of herself no matter what her personality was. For the time, that was flat out revolutionary. I remember with the, uh, you know, many people would mention that it's Power Rangers for girls. There is no token female. There's no one way to be a girl. You know, everyone had someone they related to, and they were all cool. We met nerd girls who related to Sailor Mercury. We met girls that were tough, and they related to Sailor Jupiter, Sailor Mars. There was some, you know, people that would relate to Chibiusa because they felt like they were an outcast. One person related to Luna, which, you know, goes in my same thing. You're basically raising five kids, and they have superpowers. (laughs) They're not that together to an assistant is another cat who's a bit weird you know Luna yeah. and artemis didn't get enough credit i want to see sailor moon from their point of view like rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead of sailor They're moon. space palming <laughs> all the time so Did nick what about palming? uh what about yours what about yours who's your favorite for me i would say i like usagi too actually she reminds me of yui from k-on a little bit it's like a different mm-hmm. version of that. And if newer viewers who haven't seen Sailor Moon somehow, they might have seen K-On. Usagi and Yui are a little bit similar. Uh, but it, I would actually go with uh, Sailor Mars just because she's so feisty and her and Usagi just get like, they get into all these fights and they like slap each other and stick out their tongues. And it's just, <laughs> it's really funny. I, I like to see characters who are like, who fight with each other, but yet are still friends. There was definitely something we noted that in our interview, fight and still get along. What about uh, Mac and Quokka? Well, I'd said uh, Sailor Jupiter, and there's no real good reasons for that except for long legs and a pink butt bow. That's what's up. <laughs> you, you're Quokka's shallow reasons. <laughs> good enough, though. Thanks. What about Mac? I don't know if Mac has really seen Sailor Moon, though, but... You know, I was Just going to say this. I was going to say this. <laughs> I was going to say I can't really choose one because I'm the only one out of all of this group who has never seen Sailor Moon. True fact. That's your loss, Mac. I haven't you really have... seen Crystal, if that makes you feel any better. No, it's just the original coming, coming from my we'll perspective. We'll get into Crystal a little bit Hey, later, Bonnie, maybe. let's expose this guy to one of the musicals first. That will blow his mind. <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, how about the live-action version it, with the stuffed cat? Weren't those like actually pretty good or something? Or? Yeah, it's like I thought it would be the stills look dumb, and then we were watching it. And we're like, okay, you just brought a stuffed plushie to light as this frustrating. Your kudo live Sailor Moon. We're now going to watch ten more episodes of this. <laughs> what are you saying, yeah. Mac? I mean, <laughs> from my perspective, anyways. All in all, I haven't been in the anime scene for that long. I mean, I'm 23 years old, and I really got into it about you know, whenever I was in college. So I was 18 or 19. So for me to have seen about 150 shows, which is what I've seen now, isn't too bad, I would say. But I haven't gotten the time to touch on a lot of the older shows. And Sailor Moon just was not on whenever I was growing up, really. <laughs> it, yeah. it wasn't on. Now, Cowboy Cowboy it, Bebop it was on. Was. You just... You just had to look for it. It was on Toonami at one point, wasn't it? Uh, it it's was. Okay. You're young. 
Yeah, it, it was it was actually the bedrock of the original um, Toonami lineup when Toonami first mm-hmm. started. It was sort of yeah. like Toonami was sort of like built around Sailor Moon and Gundam Wing at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, in like the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, mid mid late. Yeah, um, my favorite Sailor Scout is Hotaru Tomoe, uh, Sailor Saturn, and I, I guess I don't really know why. I just like that. That one of her powers is is like she's able to like destroy planets. Like <laughs> that's so like it's Life so goals there, dude. Dude, it's so fucking cool to me. You know, I don't know why. I like, but, like this. I like this girl because she can just she can just make planets explode. You know, she can just destroy just, shit. Just but like and like you know, it's like they have to ha- kind of have. I don't remember like how this went down, but it was something like there was a. It was like Uranus, Neptune, and the other one, Pluto, had to have like they had to be together, or they had to do this. Those like a to like it'll make her powers awaken or something. Yeah, I don't. God, I have to watch it again. But they had to bring <laughs> together the three talismans. That's what it was. And, rem- and remember, for fans, that arc ends with three space lesbians raising a magical child. Well, of Think course. Think about it. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's uh... <laughs> but so one thing we actually do is uh, Bonnie and I have a section in the book on. American influence, uh, what Sailor Moon influenced. It's like, it's so freaking clear Sailor Moon and Steven, or um, My Little Pony and Steven Universe were influenced by Sailor Moon. It hurts. Well, yeah, oh, friendship yeah. is magic. I just really like the way... Is necromancy. I just really like the way she came from, like, a really dark place, and then she kind of was able to, like, come out of that and be like, nah, I got you. And plus, her weapon is called the Silence Glaive. Like, how much of a badass do you have to be (laughs) to have a weapon called that? Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Going back to uh, how you mentioned, like, different people all relate to very different characters. And you mentioned specifically Chibiusa, which I always remember from being a little weeb in middle school that all the girls that were into Sailor Moon all hated Chibiusa. And then Mm -hmm. reading that part in the book was like the girl relayed to her because she was like a younger sister that was always trying to like have fun with her older sister and her friends, but always kind of being like pushed aside. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, just cause you dislike the character doesn't mean that they shouldn't really be there. Right. And plus yeah, Chibiusa well, had like some of the best transformations and like her little toy gun. <laughs> that was really funny to me. <laughs> she just uh, like shows you- up. Pow. If you watch Sailor Moon Crystal, um, you notice that in Crystal, Chibi Uza is actually a very different character. And since Crystal is based straight forward on the original manga, in the original manga, she was a very different character than she was in the 90s anime. Um, in the 90s anime, they made her a lot more of, you know, what was typical of anime children at the time, which was the brat. Um, she is a lot more complex. And in the Sailor Moon R arc, a lot darker and more screwed up than she was in the 90s anime. And yeah. I ultimately find her a lot more sympathetic. In well, yeah, because nowadays, manga. the younger sister type character is more responsible. That's how anime goes. Mm-hmm. And Chibiusa, um, I think even in the 90s dub, when you really look back and the original, when you look back on it, she's really screwed up. I mean, she's aging slowly no magical powers living in the shadow of her goddess mother and her dad the loving king in the inexplicably lavender tuxedo ruling a semi-immortal humanity you're gonna end up a little bit messed up and then they abandon her into the past what the, they out as we put it, they outsource child care to their past selves any moment in sailor moon some very angry british guy with a blue box is going to show up and scream at them i read that right. line in the book <laughs> And I just, I, I just had this, this Doctor Who, like, cataclysm come over me, and I was like, "Fuck <laughs> yes, I love that they just said that." We, we call, Bonnie and I call that a hoogasm. A hoogasm. I completely agree with that. It's just a bunch of timey wimey, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey shit. That's funny. I would also pay money for the original Usagi voice actress to say timey wimey, wibbly wobbly shit. <laughs> oh my god do you mean the the english dub or the the japanese i don't care either tell me either one. or maybe tuxedo mask would be let me tell you what timey wimey really means and then go on for 20 minutes uh-huh. you'd throw like a million roses at her every time 
Uh, She's just trying to go to the bathroom. Rose lands in front of her and gets try to give her a speech. Yeah, you think this is weird, Bonnie? How many times did we get absolutely bizarre while writing this book? Uh, quite a few, actually. Well, basically, Bonnie and I interviewed a, a ton of people. I don't which which did we do more, Bonnie? Text interviews or uh, Skype? I think Skype. Uh, I would say it was probably f- almost half and half, but a little more edge towards Skype. Yeah, and then we just basically analyzed them over and over and looked for common themes, and then we stitched. Then we looked at how this illustrated things and sort of basically stitched out what we call the tapestry. Um, what patterns do we see that are related, and how are they related? And um, oh, we originally thought we'd find a lot more diversity, but we found like you know the same patterns kept showing up over and over again. It was actually kind of scary. I mean, when we started seeing, you know, we started comparing our notes and we're like, okay, I'm seeing this, this, this. And then Steve would say, yeah, I'm seeing the exact same things you are. And I'm like, oh my God, we've got something here. The book is up to order than my original estimate. I kid you not. Because the fandom experiences are the same from person to person and they fit into nine separate categories which not only was smaller than we thought, it allowed us to make a series of planet jokes that were unplanned initially. Yeah, it, it just... Pluto's it not was, a planet anymore. It, it was one of those strange coincidences that, you know, we ended up in nine chapters for nine century. It's like, all right, this worked out rather well. Yeah, but if there had right. been a chapter that fit Chibi, so we were debating it, called, we were debating a pretty and... She was loved and shitty and pink if people basically hated her. <laughs> But yeah, there was like there there were nine archetypical patterns, um, and usually every fan would be in anywhere from three to six of them. And there's always the you know oh it's something for girls. There's the diverse cast. There's the focus on value. There's the interest in Japan. Bam, bam, bam. By the time we were done, I felt really small because you know this this show which you know, I've been adjacent to an anime fandom all my life. It's just it changed lives. Mm-hmm. Up, I feel tiny because there's just this huge thing bigger than me, and people will be watching it when I'm dead. Yeah, that's that's weird to think. And Steve has a great line in the in the book that he came up with. Um, you're standing in the shadows of something much bigger than you, and that something is wearing odongos. <laughs> Odongo. <laughs> yeah. Do you did you come across anyone who happened to like? This is probably a dumb question because I don't even think that. I mean, I mean, we have a dumb. It's a dumb question. We do have a dumb answer, so go. For I don't. It. I don't feel like anyone would relate to them as much. But like, did anyone say anything about the Sailor Starlights? Not really. No. Um, no, we didn't get much mention of the Sailor Starlights. Actually, well, they come in so much later. Um, people did right. note that they. One of the major things about the show was it's um it's playing with values and concepts. Is the gender bending aspects of the characters came in, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. I think by that their favorite senshi anyway so the sailor starlights were just sort of you know a bolted on attachment yeah they were kind of like they kind of came in late also i think um part of the reason why the starlights weren't mentioned as much is because most of our interviewees um watched sailor moon on television and stars was the one season that never made it to america in dub yeah form. i never i never knew about them until i watched the show because when I watched it as a kid on uh, my local television station, UPN, it came after Ronin Warriors and Dragon Ball. Um, back when DIC Entertainment, like, you know, did all the whatever. I never knew there were, like, there was so much other stuff that I wasn't seeing. But when I saw them came on the first time, I was actually super, like, I loved the Sailor Starlights for a long time. Well, they uh, were very, they were funky characters. I mean, the show always kept mixing it up. And actually got gender shifting it. You know, yeah. dude, you can make a, you make a whole anime series out of that. It's like, oh, by the way, gender shifting alien boy band. There you go. In. Have one. It will also, yeah. I think, by the people dug it up, but um, even people that dug it up, they had to hunt for it a bit. And you know, at that point, you're sort of attached <clears throat> to the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is awesome how the show could just mess with all sorts of gender approaches and ideas. Yeah. And then um... there's fish. There's fish eye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the two of you being slightly older than ourselves and much of the anime fandom, I think it'd be a bit interesting to talk about, you know, what the anime like landscape was 
like back then? Because I know that was the age of either anime was kid shows or you got it on like VHS from a guy on the corner. Oh my. It was at Suncoast Video, you dick. God. (laughs) I got into anime fandom. um, Basically, I got into anime fandom through the Mystery Science Theater 3000 fandom. um, Because I was... Oh, there's reasons, people. Yes, I was very much into reading fan mistings. People would take um, fanfics they found on the internet and write their own Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes um, and have write the bots misting the fanfics. And I kept seeing these Sailor Moon fanfics and I was like, um, what is this about this Japanese cartoon that's made all these people start writing fanfics about it? So I went down to Blockbuster Video, found those tapes that Deke Entertainment put out uh, that was like a Reader's Digest condensed version of the first season, watched it in like a single night, and was hooked. And within a year, I was making trips to New York Chinatown to go down in the basements of like seedy rundown buildings where they had anime fan sub dealers. That's what's up. <laughs> it was the golden age. Yes, the golden age of going down to a creepy basement to buy your anime fan subs. Yes. Some guy in a trench coat, you know, just having VHSs in there. Hey, dude, you want to see my Gundams? (laughs) (laughs) For me, um, I kept encountering anime on and off in my college years because uh, there was a club north of where I lived and there was some stuff off and running in theaters at my college. So the first real anime I saw that hadn't been mutilated was Akira, which probably traumatized me until now. But um, now you're better, though. Yes, I know. (laughs) Sorry, it just came out. The thing with um, the thing with that was uh, I kept encountering it at college clubs and uh, with occasional imports and bootlegs. So it was very diverse to me. But the thing is, I never encountered it as kids stuff. I was encountered as this cool geek. So very quickly, um, that's what it was to me. And I'd have acquaintances to get really oddball things. Uh, Votoms. Oh, I still remember that. So I always viewed it a bit differently. And then I'd get bootlegs when I could or copies or stuff that was subtitled. And um, I really got into it, ironically, about the same time Bonnie mentions is... uh, When I sort of got really into groups online, I was part of a mystery science theater group that was also into anime, and that basically solidified a bit. And my final gateway was Outlaw Star. Oh. Uh, Was that good or bad? Love Outlaw Star. No, it's good. The dude has a pistol that shoots spells. There, I'm done. Please. Um, Please. Yeah, Outlaw Star was my final gateway that made me realize there was so much to this. And basically, I've been a fan for about of anime for about 20 years and even today where it's got its weird genre issues um there's always something every season that's just so amazing and different or fun i watch it thunderbolt fantasy and cute earth oh Defense hell Force recently yeah. thunderbolt fantasy oh, yes. shoot. magical boys it, it is an anime because they animate puppets close enough <laughs> hey I'm including it's puppet it. animation you don't diss vape wizard and frustration man the best duo ever <laughs> Vape but yeah, the guy with the stick for the sword, vape wizard in frustration, man. Um, but it's ser- no seriously uh, that it's I never encountered his kid stuff. And Bonnie would actually send me bootlegs and copies. That's how I got a bunch of card captor Sakura because I loved yes. um, I, I I loved her father and I loved the show. It was just very darling with really great characters. Um, you know, it was basically Cardcaptor Sakura was the daughter I could never have. Those were the days of hooking two VCRs up to each other <laughs> to be able to make copies of VHS fan subs for my friends. I used to I used to do that when it came on like Kids WB and or Kids Cards Capture Sakura. I would or Sailor Moon on Toonami. I would put in blank VHSs and record them with my VHS uh, yes, player. The a certain the mutilated. The mutilated card captors that tried to remove all the gay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we've learned from cousins. We'll merely pretend this doesn't occur. No one will twig on. Like sure. in Sailor Moon, yeah. Neptune and Uranus. Yeah. It's just Dude, creepy. You, just creepy cousin love. Yeah, it's like, are they from the, the southern part of Japan? Are they from Japan, Alabama? Yeah, that, well, <laughs> I mean, American Instead audiences... Of- 
you know, we relate to incest more than gays, you know? The only thing more acceptable than lesbians is incestuous lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> well, at, I... at least at least they did not try to make Haruka a guy like they did with Zoisite in the first season. And when they switched oh, into yeah. a Bait girl. And, female. and yes. fish eye, too. And it's already bad enough that, like, you know, the three eyes are like psychic sex criminals by invading your body. I mean, they're creepy as hell, but, oh, sorry, the gender bending's way too weird. Really? Did you notice <laughs> the whole, like, rest of the show? I mean, Nahalania was seriously damaged. It's the typical American but, censorship that somehow lets all the bad stuff through while blocking yeah, all the stuff that's just really love. Hey, there are people that, you know, Neptune and Uranus are their fave couple. They're their OTP. A thousand thousand death cannot separate these two. Yuri is life. Also, a lot of people were able to see through the cousins thing because it wasn't oh, done very well. And they realized <laughs> that they were basically looking at one of the first um, canon gay couples on television. Right. And that was definitely in, in the book. People noted the gender bending, homosexuality, polysexuality um, in the show and the manga because Sailor Moon only looked like it played by the rules. Sailor Moon is incredibly subversive. Especially the even more the manga. Usagi is like comes off as very, very bisexual in some ways, despite mm -hmm. her love of Mamaru. And, you know, the you know, the basically open gay relationship Uranus. And, you know, the the show and the manga, it was revolutionary to these people because many women we talked to, they, they would mention this made them open-minded about more people. This made them more tolerant. This made them curious about, you know, one person has an, one of her interviews had an interest in gay rights and she traces it back to Sailor Moon, sort of waking her up to people being out there. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, the show did so much. I mean, just as Neon Genesis Evangelion taught me it's okay to be a complete basket case who but Sailor Moon teaches you to be tolerant of people. It also taught you oh. how not to behave around girls in comas. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, he, he never really got punished for that, so it worked out. It's fine. Yeah, oh, my what fucking is, God. Here's how I knew I was getting older. When my ex-girlfriend who'd wanted me to dress as Tuxedo Mask would suggest I be a good Gendo Akari, I'm like, yep, the age is kicking in now. I'm a cool <laughs> anime hunk to evil pseudo Amish guy with giant robots in an Oedipus complex. I'm done now. Hell yeah. Never, so, never a compliment to be told you should cosplay that, dude. So I have to ask, um, did you guys ever play any of the Sailor Moon like video games that came out? Uh, I didn't know. Um, I no, actually understand that there are some ROMs of the classic games out available that I would like to try out of just curiosity. Uh-huh. I was going to say, I've never really been a gamer to start with. You know, I've been a casual gamer at best, so, you know, it's probably not that surprising I haven't played the games. Okay. Me either, but um, I do want to uh, mention this. There is a wonderful tweeter it's sailor moon live tweets we interviewed her in the book and she not only tweeted all her experiences watching the entire sailor moon series she also did some of the live series and the games um but i never tried them there were quite a few there was even a fighting game that was basically final fight with miniskirts uh well yeah the, the side scroll beat em up was that was one of the first ones to come out on the super famicom um i do own a hard copy of it i don't hold it against you it it yeah <laughs> I uh I own a copy of it and it because it plays in my retro duo. Um, it obviously wouldn't play in a normal Super Nintendo, but um, my retro duo doesn't have like the blockers on the back of it, so I'm able to play it. Um, it actually gets really hard. Yeah, a lot of retro games do that. <clears throat> um, well, no, because in the beginning it's just like really the first half is just really repetitive and easy to get through. Um, there then there's also Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon, uh, by Ban Presto and Gazelle in 1995. Um, that's also a side scroll beat em up. That's super hard. Um, but I was going to say one that was really cool is another story, which was, um, which is basically final fantasy, but it was with, you know, the, in the world of Sailor Moon, 
It was really cool. Oh, so the tweeter I mentioned has been playing through it. Yeah, I have not beaten it. Um, I got I keep getting stuck, but yeah, it's yes. Comparing Sailor Moon to Final Fantasy, I would say that Sephiroth would have fit in very, very well as a Sailor Moon villain. <laughs> I mean, he basically has the qualifications. So Zoisite, how do you get your hair that way? I just meant yeah. I just meant video game wise, but yeah, that works too. Like, <laughs> like... I, I am now visualizing all the villains with great hair and Sailor Mooning trading hair care tips, and it's just like <laughs> awesome. Yes, here in the Bowie Dark Kingdom, we. David Bowie is the grandfather of all male anime characters. Didn't you know that? He is. P. Rest in paradise, bro. But um, yeah, there is a cool fighting game on PlayStation. It's Sailor Moon Super S and then some long name after it. But that one is probably the best one to play. I don't know why. It just like it looks cool. It looks good. And you can do like moves and you can hurt people. And that's all that matters. <laughs> Just like Sailor Moon teaches us, hurting people, all that matters. <laughs> Sailor says a good blow to the groin will stop most of your opponents. Beyond the fighting, um, we know that a lot of the show and a lot of people related to this was, it was very much about kindness. Yes, the characters had to bring the smack down, but they often tried to redeem, the, redeem their enemies in the end. And that was very different for people. One thing that separated Sailor Moon from a lot of the superhero stuff that was out lately, that was out at the time, um, was traditional superhero stuff was just round up the bad guy, you know, toss him in the clink until he escapes and, you know, starts another story arc. With Sailor Moon, you know, it was acknowledging that these villains were human also. I mean, they were presented as multi-dimensional characters. They were not just presented as the incarnation of pure evil. Re-Zero. I mean, you right. got a sense oh, that there were people here. One of the, one of the funniest one of the funniest things was is I think the only thing at the time I remember E Man because Skeletor was sort of this in over his head villain and people would feel sort of sorry for the dude <laughs> but I don't know if that was intentional <laughs> right but um, I yeah, see Sailor Skeletor Moon, is comedic relief yeah <laughs> Skeletor is what happened when the evil second in command ends up actually in charge and will not admit he's in over his head. <laughs> no, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, Sailor Moon, um, the villain, at least, even though they were wrong, they'd be understandable, with maybe the exception of, um, at least in the manga and Crystal, not so much the Professor Tomoe and everything, but the original animated, really just needed a good kick in the face. Right. He was more sympathetic in the anime, but in general, he is a villain that clearly had a white van that read free candy. Right. Yeah, it's like Professor Taboe is like one of the two worst parents in anime history. Uh, the other one being Show Tucker from FMA. Oh yeah, Tucker's a fucker. That's what everyone says. Here we go. <laughs> excuse, excuse me. I, we're gonna have to put Gen. We're gonna have to put Gendo Akari in there as well. Who? Okay, you know, okay. Gendo three had, Gendo had some good reasons. It's explained in the movie. He was just a psychopath. He was a, the, the, the movie yeah. made me throw things at the television. Ten out of ten. Now masterpiece. Hey, how would it be if you had like a a whack a mole game, but it's just Gendo, Show, and Professor Tomoe, and you get to hit them a lot? Take my quarters. I think we're on to something. Or that'd be a great thing at a con. Throw random things at people dressed like these dudes. I think uh, to what you said earlier. <laughs> damn it! I think to what you said earlier, though, like. Some of the like villains, you know, they were kind of real and stuff. I think that also spoke a lot about just like Usagi, like by herself, you know, she was really always kind of like, and maybe not with every villain, but there were times where she was kind of like, like, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, we don't have to do this. You know what I mean? And, and she was always, that's like the, that pure heartedness come. That's where that pure heartedness comes in, you know? And it kind of is like, oh, yeah. that was really cool because, you know, she did that before Goku did it, I think. You know, I don't know. I'd have to research. But, but you know, Goku was always like that, well, too. Well, it was about the same time. Dragon Ball came out in late 80s. Dragon Ball Z was early 90s. So Right, right. But I really like that because it's like the, it's always like really powerful characters who are like that. You know what I mean? They're really like they're just like, you know, Goku never killed Frieza the first time, you know, yeah, or like, or like he, or more, he didn't try to, you know, there's a more and recent then, example of Avatar where they do. They have that theme in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, notice, notice though, Avatar is Avatar. If you time traveled it back a decade, you think it was a Japanese anime, 
And I, it should count as one. It's close enough. But thing we didn't consider, but Goku is in the same vein of of Usagi that he's really just in the end a nice guy. Yes. Um, Yeah. All all power aside, Goku's a pretty good dude. And I think he is a Saiyan, though. Yeah. People just kept trying to beat up his friends. Well, the the problem, though, is Goku, Goku's a Saiyan and it's in his blood to fight. So, like, unlike the Sailor Scouts, he enjoys fighting. Like, he loves it. Right. But they never, they never say in Sailor Moon that they don't enjoy it. Obviously, in some cases, they do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he does it. His nature is to fight, but he channels that ability. Sailor Moon, the characters have awesome power, and it's the same thing. The great power is not something to go on about how great they are. It's to be used. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something I've always really loved about Goku and Sailor Moon when I was a kid. Was There's your power couple. Yeah, OTP, obviously. But, like, <laughs> but like it, it was just super cool to me because they were always like, I tried to give you a chance and I tried to help you. I tried to let you to do this and you... You know, then once, you know, well, the thing about Goku is that once you spit in his face, then he'll just turn around and and blow you away because he's had enough. You know, obviously, um, there's only a very, very few times where he gets super mad. And uh, even recently in Dragon Ball Super, he there's a time where he gets really, really angry. But um, how are you watching that without the dubs? Um, come on. <laughs> shut up. I want to know what happens. It's the opposite of Sailor Moon because, well, actually, I know, but Sailor Moon is good dub and sub, but Dragon okay, Ball but now Z I'm like, dub. But now I'm hooked and I can't supreme. stop watching. I can't stop watching. Have and a little I, bit of shame, Sam. He's just waiting for Team Four Star to work their magic on it. Maybe. Anyway, so anything, anything else? Anything else we can tell you? I mean, it's funny as Bonnie and I are going to do two to three more panels on this alone in the next six months. I actually would like to hear a lot of this 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 recording. You guys kind of talked about the amazing interviews you had. I I kind of want to ask how it affected you two. Like I know Bonnie said that she got hooked when she went to the video store and and I. But even now, like if you think about it now, and you think about now that the book is out and people have bought it and whatever, and we've read it, um, how has it affected you? And you know. Where has it where where has it taken you and stuff like that? Well, for me, um, Sailor Moon was my gateway to anime, so I would say for me, it was sort of a gateway to an entire um, way of life. You know, it was a way to to meet a lot of people, get involved in a lot of activities, you know, discover another culture. I mean, at the time I got into Sailor Moon, I was working in New York City, which meant I was surrounded by Japanese things that I never took notice of until, you know, I got into Sailor Moon and it made me want to discover, you know, the Japanese culture that was around me. I started hanging Mm -hmm. out in Japanese bookstores and Japanese groceries. I I really think that, you know, it really was a life changer for me. And, you know, it, I, I sometimes wonder if it wasn't Sailor Moon, would it have been something else? But really, for that time, you know, I think Sailor Moon's impact was so unique that, you know, nothing else could have had that impact on me. Mm-hmm. Sailor Moon was very timely, we found. So what about you, Steve? Like, Well, mine's, mine's actually kind of weird. Um See, I'm, I've always been like Sailor Moon adjacent. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't as deep into it as some people. But I fans. In fact, before I met Bonnie, an ex-girlfriend of mine first introduced me to it with a bunch of bootlegs, a few episodes in the famous Fiore movie. Um, and the thing is, Sailor Moon was one of my first introductions to the powers of fandom because there was this incredible thing out there. And uh-huh. the show was not like, it wasn't my favorite, but it just, it reached people. And I guess the seeds in the book for me maybe go back even farther than they did for Bonnie, because there's just this thing that kept changing lives. So for my ex, she said, this is everything I wanted to see as a little girl. And to yeah. this day, I remember that and it sticks with me. So Sailor Moon is one of the reasons I am very, very pro-fan. 
because I have seen what this fandom has done and mm. still continues to do. One of our interviewees, for God's sake, she's ta- getting every single dude on her arm. Hell yeah. Is she going to make she, him dance? She, like, <laughs> really like can't a, comment. That depends on her classic, workout. The classic tattoo is you just got to make him dance, no matter what kind of tattoo. Uh, considering how much of her arm is covered, she's probably going to have to do ballet. But the, these Sailor Moon to me was one of the things that made me realize fandom is just uh, amazing and you should be taking it seriously. Yeah. I And we do even more now. I definitely agree. And something I really appreciate, and I don't want to like steal the thunder away from these guys, which I do naturally anyway, so whatever. I'm I, I, I'll steal it back. Well, no, not from you two in particular, just my other three co-hosts, because they're stupid. Anyway, um, <laughs> except for Mac. <laughs> Thanks. Think, um, think about like, good looks. I think something that I really appreciated when I was reading the book was how much thought was put into the introduction. And not saying that you wouldn't have done that in the first place, but it just, I guess, more than I I expected. There's more information than I expected. And something that you mentioned was um, the origin of the you know, the magical girl. And one thing you mentioned was princess comet. Mm -hmm. And I think that is when I got hooked to the book because that hit a soft spot for me. Um, Cause like Sailor Moon is my gateway to anime Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball and Ronin warriors. You know, they came on when I was like, you know, eight, six, six, seven years old. And um, something that my mom always did is she always brought me, she would go to because my mom's from Mexico, and whenever she would visit home, she would bring me back um, tapes, like anime tapes. They were dubbed in <laughs> Spanish, so I didn't understand them. But um, I watched Speed Racer in Spanish. I watched uh, some other things in Spanish. I watched Get a Robo in Spanish. Um, and one of the things I watched in Spanish was Princess Comet, and and well, they called her Senorita Cometa, is what they called her. And my mom used to watch that as a kid, so I think. The fact that you mentioned that in the book is like, oh, uh, that's super sick to me. It's super, super sick. I love Princess Comet. It's something that my mom doesn't, you know, my mom, she's one of those people who's like, oh, you're, you're cartoon shows and whatever. I mean, I caught on us, whatever, you know, she's always yelling at me, calling me a chabroni and stuff. But, you know, whenever we talk about, whenever she talks about Princess Comet, which is something she used to watch as a kid because it was simulcast in Spanish. It's like, it's just super cool to me. And I'm really, I th- thought that was super sick that you mentioned all that. And the Princess Comet thing was actually pretty weird because uh, when we were having a little trouble tracing Sailor Moon history. And there was a, a wonderful, if somewhat flawed show called Concrete Revolutio. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Really worth yeah. seeing, yeah, really being, uh, especially if you have enough antidepressants. And, um, <laughs> It had a reference to Princess Comet, and we had kind of found this. Yeah, we yeah we had this kind of found this kind of gap in history, and though we couldn't dig up a lot in Princess Comet, Princess Comet seems to be the missing link between things like Sally the Witch and Sailor Moon, because yep. she was hunting her prince. She used magical powers against enemies, but people usually mix it up with an attempted two thousand or so revival that seemed to be brought on by Sailor Moon. They forget there was another show. Moon, it seems to be Princess Comet combined with Sentai is what you gave Sailor, got Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. And one of the great things about this is learning history like that. And mm-hmm. that piece is that was like really changing because there's the link, you know. Plus, Concrete Revolution is awesome. Yeah, That's Concrete Revolution. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't enjoy it as much. There, there are parts I, of it that are that are great. There are I parts think, of it that are amazing. Yeah, I think um, the, the way you said it's, it's flawed. flawed. Like for it's me, flawed. yeah, for me, the way it's flawed is it's a little bit. I don't want to get into it, but I feel like it's a little bit too dense, a little bit too fast paced. Characters don't feel as charming. <laughs> Maybe way but too yeah, much. <laughs> um, I'd say also this series made me appreciate right this book, Bonnie. Um, God, I still appreciate anime fandom anymore, even more. And we're not done writing books on fandom yet. We got a, one or two more planned at least. We're not spilling. It. Oh man, Come all about man. Gendo so, Akari. Actually. <laughs> Wrap this up a little bit. So where can people find your book? Uh, the best way to do it is to come up and give me $100 for a signed copy at a con. But um, barring that, um, you can get it at Amazon. Uh, it's Her Eternal Moonlight. Uh, you can go to HerEternalMoonlight.com. 
And uh, you can also go to my press site, Informotron. But yeah, go to Amazon. Look for it. We got ebook. We got a physical book. Um, one of the funny things about our sales, Bonnie and I found, is um, people are like buying the physical books as gifts. So, out of Mooney, it's probably a, it's probably a uh, guaranteed hit for Christmas. Yes, just a reminder: Christmas is coming. Amazon is throwing Black Friday deals at us already. Uh, Go ahead. Nice. Remember. Yep. Celebrate Christmas as it should be with an immortal god queen in the body of a 14-year-old schoolgirl eventually ruling all of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> and cats. what are some of these cons that you guys will be going to and having panels for any of our fans that might be in the area? Those? Well, um, if I may, Bonnie? too soon? Sure. Oh, no, we got... I am in Silicon Valley, so I will be at um, Kraken Con, and hopefully Bonnie will be able to call in, and the same at Animation On Demand. So I'm speaking at Kraken Con in about three weeks, and Animation On Demand in March. Uh, we are trying right now, I've, I've brought this idea up at, the, at Fanime. We're hoping to do a panel at Fanime. So if you're planning to go to Fanime, and you know, you might want to check the message boards, see my thread. Note the idea is great. Please do. Otherwise, we'll be speaking anywhere we can. <laughs> I kind of hope we can arrange something at Beach City Con, but that'll depend on our schedule. And it's not Steven Universe related. Well, we could do a panel on how Steven Universe intersects with Sailor Moon. In. Yeah. Good. yeah in. Well, it's... Throwing a little bit of a Utena in there. Oh, God. Yeah. No kidding. In. I'm already in. in? I'm already in. Oh, in, in what? I'm... Let's do this idea. Let's do it. Do it right now. Make it happen. Um, what make what happen, dude? I'm buying a ticket to California. Um, can you sleep on the futon because you know it's not going to be bad, but you're going to have to put up with a affectionate um, dachshund named Stud Muffin. Oh my God! You just made it that much better. Okay, I'm coming over. My roommate's dog. Her aunts are dirty old ladies. They named him Stud Muffin because he's this pretty. He's this Bashonan dog, and he knows he's cute. So he basically demands affection, and he gets. It. <laughs> okay, so on that bombshell, I've on been Stoka with me has been Mac Nick and Salm, and our awesome guests Stephen and Bonnie. Check out their book, Her Eternal Moonlight, on Amazon. This has been the Anime Summit Podcast. <laughs>